It'll be the third time in NHL history the Colorado Avalanche attempt to repeat as Stanley Cup champions. A conference final loss after winning the Cup in 2000-2001, prior also following in the conference final after winning Lord Stanley in 1995-96, the franchise's first season after relocation from Quebec City. This year's Colorado Cup defense will be against the NHL's newest expansion team, Seattle, in their second season and first taste of the NHL postseason. For that reason, having secured the Central Division top spot on technically the NHL's final regular season goal, everything is all G, isn't it? Well, it's coming up G in the storylines. Although a year removed from signing with Seattle, goalie Philip Grubauer in Season 2 of his deal looks to get the start in a series against the team that wanted their netminding at a lower cost. Having one doing so, it's pointless to argue with Colorado's plan. Colorado's defending the cup with new starter Alexander Gorgiev in net on a team-friendly AAV. Colorado, as they have been all season, will defend without the captain, Gabriel Landeskog, as on the eve of the playoffs, it was confirmed he won't be suiting up in the playoffs. It's a favorable matchup for Colorado, who has battled key injuries all year as we look how Colorado finished up first in the Central Division. We'll also look at Seattle, but in fairness, there are few similarities to suggest Colorado won't make quick work of the Kraken. Why the confidence? Seattle has a solid group of good NHLers, and if healthy, a capable starter in Grubauer. What Seattle doesn't have yet are franchise players or a group of them that know what it takes to win the cup that Colorado simply has in more than one star player of. Welcome to Central Division Hockey, the podcast. I'm your NHL outsider and Central Division expert, Tim Bigelow. This relocation versus expansion playoff edition series, the second of three, featuring Relocation Colorado, 1995-96, first season of relocation, originally from Quebec City, 1979-80 to 1994-95, versus expansion Seattle, 2021-22 inaugural season. Colorado is the current defending Stanley Cup champions. Seattle will play in the their first playoff appearance in the two years of the franchise young history. Tale of the tape, Colorado finish 51-24-7, 109 points in the full 82 games played, 665 point percentage, first in the Central Division, 36 regulation wins. Seattle finish 46-28-8, 100 points in the full 82 games played, 610 point percentage, fourth in the Pacific Division, 37 regulation wins. Head-to-head, Colorado 3-2 overtime home loss March 5th, Colorado road 2-1 shootout win January 21st, Colorado Colorado 3-2 home loss October 21st, making Colorado 1-1-1 and Seattle 2-0-1 head-to-head. However, Seattle played Colorado twice when Colorado was on the second night of back-to-back with travel. In fact, I would argue Seattle's overall record was propped up by a lot of favorable scheduling 
including back-to-backs where Seattle got the team the day after Vancouver had them. As we focus on the Central Division teams, we look at how Colorado finished up the regular season. The primary game recap is always put win or lose with the division team with the better record. Here's Colorado's game recaps as we pick up starting from April 11th. Colorado went 2-0-1 in the final three games played. We look at to clinch first in the Central Division. Colorado's Ben Myers goal, 4 minutes 52 seconds into the first open scoring. Former Yote and Wild Edmonton's Nick Bukestad's stick back check puts the puck net front and off of Edmonton defense skate to go 5-hole and in. 36 seconds after, former Predator Edmonton's Matthias Ekholm's far side blast goal from above the circle ties it as Edmonton stop up off the rush, gaining the offensive zone. One all after one. Scoreless second, including Colorado's Miko Rantanen's point-blank spin and fire on a power play 8 minutes 37 seconds into the middle frame that has stopped. And Colorado goalie Alexander Gorgiev shutting the wickets on Edmonton's Connor McDavid's breakaway with 8 minutes 34 seconds left in the second. As well, Colorado's Devon Taves denied 5-hole going to the net on a Colorado 3-on-2 with 3 seconds left in the second. Scoreless third, and Edmonton 4 on three far side roof power play goal from inside the edge of the circle slot off an offensive zone faceoff win a minute 50 seconds into overtime proves to be the winner on Colorado Bo Byram's penalty for hooking. Colorado pick up the loser point in a 2-1 overtime home loss. Colorado goalie Gorgiev two goals against 38 saves. Three minutes 33 seconds after the first midpoint, Colorado's Dennis Malgan's top of the paint rebound just off the ice tap and goal open scoring for the lone marker of the frame. Winnipeg's Kyle Connor along the goal line chips it off the mask of Colorado goalie Alexander Gorgiev and it goes off the crossbar and stays out with four minutes 52 seconds left in the first. one nothing Colorado after 20. Winnipeg's Alex Janssen-Fialbi's net front fly by back skate to stick backhand goal on a point shot 2 minutes 15 seconds into the second ties it Winnipeg's Nino Niederreiter's 2 on 1 keep is stopped by a pad save by Colorado goalie Gorgiev 6 minutes 16 seconds into the second Winnipeg's Kevin Stenland's lifted deflection short-handed goal going to the net on a 2 on 1 with Morgan Barron with 5 minutes and a second left in the middle frame is followed by Colorado's Miko Rantanen's one-timer shell power play goal from just above the dot with 3 minutes 49 seconds left in the second two all through 40. 3 minutes a second into the third Colorado's Evan Rodriguez's blocker side roof goal from just across the offensive zone blue line off the rush ends up the game-winning goal. Colorado's Lars Eller can't score on a penalty shot with 8 minutes 52 seconds left as Winnipeg goalie David Riddick makes the stop. Colorado's Arturi Lekkonen's empty net goal from the sidewall hash marks in the Colorado defensive zone and down the ice with a minute 29 seconds left provides the insurance Colorado tally for two Colorado home win over divisional Winnipeg. Colorado had forward Arturi Lekkonen return to the lineup after missing 15 games. Winnipeg clinched a playoff spot the game prior versus divisional Minnesota and rested six regular skaters and starting goalie Connor Halbuck. Winnipeg backup goalie Riddick had his first start for Winnipeg since March 14th. His last appearance in Colorado was in last year's Game 1 series versus Colorado when he was with Nashville and Riddick was pulled 16 minutes into Game 1 after allowing five goals against and never saw the crease the rest of the series. 
Colorado's Devon Taves point shot short side goal deflecting off Nashville defenseman Dante Fabro on route. Omen scoring 28 seconds in the first, set up by Colorado's aggressive forecheck. Colorado's Nathan McKinnon's first goal of the game, an individual effort skating with the puck from the sidewall circle through the slot and brewing the forehand lifted glove side goal for his 40th of the year has Nashville's Kiefer Sherwood's response short side shelf goal from the top of the circle off the cycle two minutes 22 seconds after before Colorado McKinnon's second goal of the game a two-on-one where he splits the Nashville D Ryan McDonough and Dante Fabro no less to go in tuck a lifted backhand blocker side goal with five minutes 46 seconds left in the first Colorado up 3-1 after one with an 18-4 shot on goal advantage in the first frame. Nashville get two goals to even it up in the second. Nashville's Luke Evangelista's short side goal from above the dot as the late trailer off the rush, two minutes, 32 seconds into the second. And Nashville Sherwood's second goal of the game, a slot short side one-timer power play goal, four minutes, 36 seconds after with traffic in the Colorado paint. Nashville Sherwood wires a far side post from the high slot with 7 minutes 34 seconds left in the second, narrowly missing his hat trick opportunity. Teams tied at 3 through 2. Colorado McKinnon's late far side off the rush keep goal completes his hat trick on a 2 on 1 with Miko Rantanen and provides the game winning goal with a minute 42 seconds left in the third. Colorado 4 3 road win over Divisional Nashville, clinching first in the Central Division with the win. Colorado goalie Gorgiev picks up his 40th win of the year, three goals against 18 saves. Nashville backup goalie Kevin Lankinen, four goals against 30 saves, played in the loss. Prior to the last home win over Winnipeg, Colorado announced Captain Gabe Landeskog would not return for this year's playoffs after missing all of the regular season, recovering from a second knee surgery. The Colorado versus Seattle matchup. Goal, Colorado's newly acquired in the offseason starter Alexander Gorgiev cemented his spot. 62 games started, 40-16-6 record with a 2.53 goals against average and a 9.18 save percentage, 5 shutouts, while ranked 9th with a 21.9 goal saved above expected metric as per Money Puck data. Gorgiev did come in relief in two postseason games for the Rangers a year ago, but it will be his first official starter's crease assignment. His backup, goalie Pavel Francois, part of the cup-winning team, is 8-4 and in the playoffs, including going 6-0 and in games in last season's cup run that included the Western Conference final win over Edmonton, not to mention Colorado added vet goalie Keith Kincaid and have Jonas Johansson for organizational goalie depth. Former Av goalie Seattle's Philip Grubauer's 36 games started 17-14-4 record with a 2.85 goals against average and an 8.95 save percentage. No shutouts. Ranked 64th with a minus 0.7 goal saved above expected metric. Not comparable numbers to Gorgiev. A postseason 19-10 record with a playoff bubble NHL overtime loss anomaly recorded. Only three of those, not while with Colorado, in the 12 games started 2018-19 postseason, 7-5 win-loss record. The 10 games started 2020-21, a 6-4 record. Not seeing the postseason with Seattle last season, of course. Grubauer's a cup winner in Washington, but Braden Holpe was who posted the 16 wins for Washington in net in that cup run. 
Seattle backup goalie Martin Jones has had a hand injury that didn't have him play to finish out the regular season, but he took part in Seattle's Saturday practice, and Seattle did send goalie Joey Decord to AHL Coachella Valley. Seattle has goalie Chris Dreger in the AHL this year for organizational goalie depth as well. Even if Seattle's Grubauer does play this series and doesn't end up injured, I'd say the durability of Colorado's Gorgiev that he's showing and Colorado with a vet goalie with more recent playoff success as we're four years removed from Jones' postseason games with San Jose, you absolutely have to give the edge to Colorado and net because the present goalie Colorado's Gorgiev's numbers simply are top of the charts with the NHL elite goalies, and Seattle's duel, however you slice it, are middling and pedestrian by comparison. One thing is Grubauer will get a pair of games versus his old team. I'm not sure he plays the whole series for Seattle, who may inconsequentially turn to Martin when they get down in this series. Here's the disclaimer at Full Health Colorado's D Group 6 is the NHL's best. It's played zero games together this year because of injury. However, the fact it would be the best if they all were in the lineup also means it's damn good even when missing D-men to injury. To finish the regular season of that D-Group 6 were Devon Taves, Sam Gerrard, Bo Byram, and Eric Johnson. The missing two were Kale McCarr and Josh Manson, both anticipated to be ready or hopeful for the postseason listed with lower body injuries day-to-day. If all were a goal, you might even see Colorado use an 11-forward 7-D set and add defenseman Jack Johnson as a 7th. Additionally, serviceable Brad Hunt in spot duty Curtis McDermott available as well. Seattle have former Blue Vince done paired with former Oiler defenseman Adam Larson, once traded one for one for Taylor Hall, and former star Jamie Oleksiak, who I have all day for, and Will Borgen with a bottom pairing of former wild heavy hitter Carson Soucy and well-traveled vet Justin Schultz. Now, in fairness, Oleksiak is a second-pairing guy, and Susie as a bottom-pair D guy, where they're slotted. However, the top pair is also a good NHL second pair, with all due respect to Larson, who isn't in his prime now, and Dunn, who has improved to be top four value, but not top pair value. And if any of the playable six for Seattle are hurt, it's Jacob Magna, not to be mistaken for former Avs center Jason Magna, Anaheim claimed off waivers during the season, or developing defenseman Kale Flurry as the next Seattle D-up. You might want to buy a program in that event. Put it this way, remove Kale McCarr and Devin Taves, Colorado's top pair, and stack the Seattle D against Bo Byram, Josh Manson, Sam Gerrard, Eric Johnson, and a bottom pair of Jack Johnson, Brad Hunt. That's kind of more equal to Seattle's best available going into the series. But simply add one of McCarr or Taves or both and slide Colorado's D pairings down. It's the elite top pair that then makes the second pair better than who they match up against and a third pairing that is, in Colorado's case, really a second pairing NHL value. Colorado ranked ninth, allowing only 2.72 goals per game, while Seattle ranked 14th at 3.52 goals per game. This is where that goal saved above expected shows, but the other area is Colorado's ability to have a greater risk profile to jump up and create offense because Gorgiev's stellar backstopping. 
Whereas Seattle can't trade on man rushes with Colorado. That's suicide. Seattle's going to need to play more defensively, and that hampers Seattle D, such as Vince Dunn, 14 goals, 64 points in 81 games played, or any of Adam Larson, Jamie Oleksiak, or even Justin Schultz daring to jump up. If Seattle can, without costing them defensively, it's good, but I don't expect they go that game plan route. By comparison, McCarr is a point-per-game player, 17 goals, 66 points in 60 games played. At 50 points in 80 games played, Taves can jump up too. Sam Girard is capable offensively, and in only 42 games played, Bo Byram reached double digits in goals with 10. Remember, Colorado's second power play unit deploys three D-men, not including Kale McCarr, as one of them. Offense driven by the defense is how Colorado's playing style was built around. The D group advantage is to Colorado full stop, and that includes, to me, even if one or two of the D top six aren't available because it's deep enough and full of talent to compensate for like a few NHL teams could, as I tried to demonstrate. At full health, it's going to be a huge overpowering mismatch that Seattle absolutely will have trouble containing, much like Nashville did in last year's first round exit sweep. But if it's at part health, Colorado will still manage well against Seattle. As we arrive at the offense, Colorado has game breaker elite level players that Seattle doesn't. Colorado has a 55 goal scorer in Miko Rantanen and a 42 goal guy, Nathan McKinnon, both 100 point plus seasons. Arturi Lekkinen reached 20 goals while being injured. Val Nishnushkin, 17 goals in only 53 games played. Evan Rodriguez had 16 goals. JT Comfer, 17 goals while Comfer played the full 82. Other than Logan O'Connor with nine goals at full health, the Colorado roster had everyone else with double-digit goals this year. Now, the status of bottom six forwards, vet Andrew Cogliano and Dennis Melgan, might mean rookie Ben Myers or Curtis McDermott ends up at forward. What I'm making clear is there's this illusion that a superstarless Seattle, somehow because of some false, more fourth-line depth theory would have an advantage. In fact, if only one of Malgan or Cogs is available for Game 1, Colorado with 11 forward 7D to have McKinnon's time on ice elevated or Rantanen's as well would also cause line-matching fits for a Seattle coach that will be wanting to try to. Yes, Seattle's Jarrett McCain put up 40 goals while still being below point-per-game production. And Seattle does have five 20-plus goal players this year. Rookie Matt Beneers, Jordan Eberle, former Blue Jid and Swartz, a cup winner in St. Louis, and Oliver Bjorkstrand, day-to-day injured fourth-liner Daniel Sprung, the other. Waiver wire pickup from Nashville, Ellie Tovalin with 18, and former Jet Brandon Tanev with 16 were close additionally. Sadly, not expected to be available will be former Av Cup winner Seattle forward Andre Burakovsky, lower body week to week, or Seattle forward Jonas Donskoy, who was selected by Seattle in the expansion draft from Colorado. And he's been out since the season start because of concussion. And by time on ice distribution, if I say Seattle essentially runs three NHL level capable second lines, That will have to go against a Colorado team with elite forwards and a solid top nine. 
Seattle containing Colorado's game breakers additionally, while not having a favorable forward line matchup available for any of their lines, means Seattle's goals dry up, but Colorado will, like they did a year ago in round one, put them up on Seattle as they did on Nashville. For toughness, Colorado would have to face injury troubles, most likely to insert Curtis McDermott. But by toughness, I'm not meaning fighting. A healthy Josh Manson, but also Jack Johnson slotting in to provide that physicality element Colorado has. Up front, I do think skill guys, Miko Rantanen and Bell Nishnushkin, play a skilled physical game. The pickup of Lars Eller will also show value, especially versus a team like Seattle. The back-end toughness and physicality Seattle has is Jamie Oleksiak and the open-hitting Carson Soucy. Seattle's still not going to want to, as even as annoying a shit-disturber as Yanni Gord can be, to try and out-muscle Colorado to win because Seattle doesn't really have the player personnel to try and go that route. What Seattle needs to do is be opportunistic while in system structure, but it's still a long shot. Seattle's goals versus Gorgiev will be harder to come by, especially taking less risks to score them to avoid trading chances with an elite Colorado team. Both teams can score goals by committee. In fact, Colorado, because of injuries learned this year more than any other year, how to, and not to rely solely on their star power. Trouble for Seattle is Colorado does have that star power of more than a handful of elite players, while Seattle was tied fourth in goals for 3.52 goals per game to Colorado's 3.34 goals per game. The goals against per game in the head-to-head will flip that goals for Colorado's way, even at 5-on-5 play. Special teams, Colorado's power play ranked 6, Seattle was tied for 19th. Colorado's PK seen as needing improving at 17th overall this year was still better than Seattle's ranked 21st. Colorado's power play will also tilt the series if Seattle lets it, and that puck possession ability to dictate play Colorado has draws penalties. Colorado Stanley Cup winning coach Jared Bednar and his most wins for any Colorado coach all-time versus Seattle's Dave Haxtell, three years as a Philadelphia head coach, two first-round, six-game exits. Now in his second year as Seattle's head coach, kind of like the Pacific Division's comparable for Central Division Nashville's John Hines, meaning Haxtell is a structured system, defensive first-leaning, team-playing style coach. Seattle GM Ron Francis, in his playing days, was a responsible two-way center in Hartford, Carolina, and Pittsburgh, among the best pre-Patrice Bergeron, who next leveled the perennial Selkie requirements, type of player. The Seattle coach fits the built, ground-up team that has good players throughout, but not likely future Hall of Famers like Colorado's roster currently does. Bednar's structure was about activation from the D and quick ups, speed and possession, that is also people forget structured on the defensive side to both limit high danger chances and simply not play in the defensive zone at all if possible through defensive zone puck retrieval built around skilled puck moving defensemen who can skate or pass it out of the D zone, something Colorado excels at. Colorado's division head-to-head record 19-6-1. As Colorado meets a Pacific Division team in the first round, we won't mention Seattle's Pacific Division for comparison. The reason I did include the head-to-head division record 
all season was to see if it had any correlation to winning the division. Second place Dallas by point percentage in division games was slightly better, and even fourth place division Winnipeg's divisional record was better than actual third place Minnesota was. The first round matchup to begin Colorado's defense of the Stanley Cup begins with its first round matchup versus Seattle with Colorado at home for game one Tuesday, game two Thursday. The teams go to Seattle for game three Saturday and game four Monday, if necessary. Game five the following Wednesday in Colorado, game six Friday back in Seattle, and game seven Sunday in Colorado. Prediction Colorado in four. Both teams value puck possession and can play the forecheck effectively. However, then it's who likely has better goaltending. Colorado does in this case. Who has more game breakers of the two well-coached system teams to get the needed big game goal? Colorado does. Simply, Colorado is more skilled that within their system play, they succeed over a solid good group in Seattle playing to their identity. Also, who will win the special teams? Colorado will. It's at this point when you generally decide to pick a team to sweep a series. That's why we did with Colorado. Up next, Central Division relocated Winnipeg will meet the expansion Vegas team that in their inaugural season won the Western Conference final series between the teams in our final playoff preview of the first round for this year's playoffs. St. Louis, Nashville, Arizona, and Chicago will have team-focused podcasts to wrap up their non-playoff campaigns when time permits with the playoffs underway. Thanks for listening. The real season gets underway Monday, but the defense of the cup begins Tuesday with Colorado hosting Seattle.